Father, thank you that you, the king of all the universe, wants to hear our little prayers. You want to answer them. You want to come close to us. You've demonstrated time and time again how much you love us. God, we're asking that this morning you'd show us a little bit more. And not only that, but that you would whet our appetite. That you would give us a thirst for you that is all-consuming in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. His friends thought he was crazy. As he was going around, he was selling absolutely everything from his home. They said, really, what are you going to do? You're going to sell absolutely everything? Then what? What are you going to have left? He said, I need to sell my stuff. Do you want any of this? Do you want how about? And he was going through each of the things in his home. His friends were just looking at him, and then some friends were saying, well, hey, if he's going to sell it, I'll go ahead and buy. And so they were going, and pretty soon people were going off with armloads of stuff that they were paying him for, and he was just putting each amount of money into his coin purse. Finally, he looks at it. I think, I think, I think that this is enough. I think that this will do it. And he ran off, and he found the owner of the property, and he said, look, here it is. I want to buy the property. You mean that old piece of land that, that I let you rent from me so that you could... Why do you want to buy that old piece of... How much money do you have to offer me anyway? You know, that is a pretty nice piece of property after all. You always have to talk like that if you're selling something. So he, he looks at it and he says, Well, you know what? I'm not sure if this is... You know what? I'll strike a deal with you. I'll go ahead and, and sell it to you. For this price. The man gave him the money. He took the deed and he went away so excited. And his friends came up to me and said, we don't understand. What are you doing? Do you realize what you just did? You gave away your house. You gave away your oxen. You gave away your donkeys. You gave away absolutely everything for an old piece of land that doesn't even have anything growing on it. There's nothing value about it. Why would you do that? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, and we can discover why that was. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells us this parable about the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of heaven is really like. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. Can you imagine this man? He's out there plowing, maybe behind his oxen, and as he's going along, it's midday, he finally is making one more pass before lunch, and he decides, well, maybe I'll just go one more time across, and he makes another turn, and as he's going back, all of a sudden, what was that? I don't usually hear that. That didn't sound like a rock. What is that? And he grabs his shovel, and he begins to dig and dig, and then he finally finds this the biggest treasure he's ever seen in his life. And he is so amazed by it. And as he sees this, what does he do? And for, what does the next first word say? For what? For joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Friends, this is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. It is about recognizing a priceless treasure that is so valuable that it makes you so incredibly happy to give up absolutely everything else because you have found something that is of such a priceless value to you. 
That's what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is all about. It's like a field that a a man finds this treasure that is so valuable to him that he has so much joy over that treasure. You know, there's other stories in the Bible where people found treasures, but what exactly is it that is a treasure? What is it talking about? I mean, what does that practically mean for you and I? How do I find this treasure? Well, we find some people who discovered treasure in the Bible. Psalm 119 actually talks multiple times about treasure. But verse 11 is powerful, especially if you read it in the New American Standard Version. It says this, Your word I have, what does it say? Treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. The longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm chapter 119, is talking about the Word of God. And time and time again, it compares it to gold and silver. It compares it to honey. And it says this, this priceless, matchless treasure of the Word of God. I, I hid it in my heart. And why did he hide it in his heart? Why was it? I treasured it in my heart that I may not sin against you. It became a reality to me who you are. Your character became a part of my heart. Your love became a part of my own heart. And I no longer wanted to do anything but follow Jesus. I found a treasure that was worth giving up absolutely everything else. All the world looked empty because I found in Jesus a treasure that was beyond any other treasure. Job said this in Job chapter 23 and verse 12. He said this, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. Indeed, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's pretty crazy to think about it, isn't it? When you think about Christmas, how excited do you get to eat? Most all of us love to eat. We look forward to our next meal. In fact, I have a friend who when he's eating breakfast, he'll be asking the family, so what are we going to have for lunch? We're always planning ahead. What's going to be for dinner? When can I have my next meal? To eat is naturally joyful for us. And Job says, more than that, I've treasured your word. Your word to me was more valuable to me than my next meal. Jesus one time gave some of his followers a meal. If you remember in John chapter 6, they were all hungry. They'd been there for several days. And he says, hey, disciples, feed them. And they are are challenged by this. And finally, Jesus blesses the, the loaves and the fishes. And he multiplies it. And he gives them this meal. Do you remember what happens right after that in John chapter 6? What was that? They gathered the leftovers. They gathered all the fragments together. They kept it all. They preserved it. They treasured it. That's a good point. And after that, Jesus goes up on a mountain because they're trying to make him king. And then he sends his disciples across the water. He comes walking across on the water after them. And then they come looking for Jesus. The next day, they're all coming saying, Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, we're, we're here again. What are they coming for? What do they want? Hey, you remember that thing you did yesterday? That was really cool, how you blessed the bread and the fish and gave us that big meal. Uh, you want to do that again today? We, we'd, be, we'd love that. Jesus tells them, don't labor for the bread which perishes, but for that which lasts to eternal life. Like, well, okay, well, what is that? Go ahead and tell us what that's all about. And Jesus tells them this in John chapter 6 and verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am 
the bread of life. I am what you're longing for. You came all the way around the Lake of Galilee in order to find bread, in order to get to this guy who could provide something for you, but stop looking for the stuff I can do for you and realize what you need is to treasure me. Sometimes we can get distracted by church and by going through the motions and by a lot of different things and just hoping that if we do the right things, then God will bless us and he'll do the right things in our life and maybe there's some sort of formula we can go through to to get it all right so that Jesus does just the right things in our life and we miss the whole point. And that is Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is what will fulfill the longings and cravings of your heart. Jesus is the, the, the fulfillment of every desire of your heart. Look at what he goes on to say. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. How many of you have been hungry or thirsty even after spending time with Jesus? I don't think he's just talking about physical hunger and thirst here, is he? But his disciples are a little confused as they think about this. They're confused saying, okay, what's he talking about? You'll never hunger again. You'll never thirst again. A little bit further on, he makes it even more challenging for them. He doesn't back off for them. John chapter 6 and verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the, what does it say? The flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's wanting them to grasp something. What you need is me. You need Jesus. You're grasping after a lot of different things, but more than anything else in your entire life, what you really, really need is me. And he gives them this this metaphor of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they're, they're so bothered by it. It goes on in John in verse 6 and verse 60. He says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? We don't, we don't get what Jesus is talking about. This is very difficult. So then in the coming verses, he makes it extremely plain to them. In verse 61, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? It is the Spirit, verse 63 says, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And what does it say the next slide? Read this with me. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Not everybody read that with me. Let's try it again. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Do you believe that this morning? Do I believe that this morning? Do I believe that this book that I hold in my hands has life and power for me? Do I believe that this is where I find revealed Jesus in such a way that my life can be radically transformed? That I'll no longer hunger and thirst. I'll no longer be grasping after all these different things. Christmas has been so misused by our culture. But have you noticed what happens at the end of Christmas. I remember as a kid, I could not wait till Christmas morning. I couldn't wait to unwrap the presents. I couldn't wait to find out what was in those boxes. But after you open the box, sometimes the box is the most fun thing to play with. Even if your parents got you your favorite toy that you were really wanting to, pretty soon, it's just not that exciting. 
This past week, our little niece was pretty soon saying, when's my birthday? You know what I want for my birthday? (laughs) We've begun to desire and hunger and thirst after stuff in our life, and it simply doesn't satisfy. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And if you eat me, You'll never hunger. You'll never thirst. You'll never have those cravings, those lusts. You'll never be looking for anything anymore. You'll finally come to the end of searching for what you need in life because I am what you need. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They wanted the stuff. This is the tragic thing in the world today. Jesus is doing everything possible to reveal to you, to me, to every person around us that he has what will fulfill our every need and craving. And yet people are turning away from it. We're getting distracted. We're thinking about the next thing, the next job, the next uh, degree we want to get, the next house we want to buy, the next car we want. We're so distracted. And Jesus has what will satisfy the longings of our soul. Back in John chapter 5, Jesus told the Pharisees pretty much the same thing. In verse 38, he said, But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Here's the thing. Can you imagine being a Pharisee and hearing this? Because a Pharisee growing up would actually, now I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about this book as light lingers as we go uh, through this, this presentation. And the good thing is that at the end, you're going to be able to walk out with a copy of this yourself as a, just a, a gift to you to begin your 2019. It's going to be a huge blessing for you, and I'll tell you more about it in a moment. But in this book, she talks about how Pharisees growing up, the first thing that they began to learn was the Bible. They began to study the Bible. They began to pour over the Bible. In fact, they would memorize the Bible. They would have the first five books of the Bible memorized by a young age. And by the time they got to adulthood, oftentimes they would have most of the Old Testament memorized. And look at what Jesus says to them. Do you, do you see with that context how this is almost an insult to them? He says, but you do not have his, that's God's word abiding in you. Because whom he sent him you do not believe. Like, wait, well, who are you? Some, uh, you're just a, a, a carpenter from, and they're speechless, right? Like, you're a carpenter from Galilee. Who are you to tell me who knows Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? I could start reciting this word. You mean that word doesn't abide in me? Jesus says, because you don't believe in him whom he has sent. You don't believe in me. You haven't come to me. This morning, I want more than anything else for you and I to walk out of here with a hunger and thirst for the Bible. The 2019 would be the year that we have a hunger and thirst to read the Bible because of what it offers to us. But I don't want that to be an end for you. The Bible by itself is not enough The Bible is only as valuable as it brings you to Jesus. As it's a relationship development with Jesus. goes on in verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. 
These are they which tell you about me. This whole book from cover to cover, it's revealing that I am your loving God. But you would not come to me. You're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Back in the 1960s, there was a man by the name of Gordon Cooper. He had a dream of becoming an astronaut, and actually one day he was able to become an astronaut. He was part of the first seven to ever go into outer space as far as the Americans. This is a picture of the Mercury Atlas 9 rocket that Cooper got to go into space. He was the first man to orbit the planet. In fact, I believe he may be the Still, the one that has orbited as far as a manned spacecraft like that the most times. He orbited it 22 times. He was the first man to sleep in outer space. He was in space for 34 hours. It was the most incredible thing up until that point. When he came down, the president had this huge uh, celebration waiting him. But as he orbited around the planet, as he was going around, He had a covert mission. You see, it was during the Cold War. It was just after the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he had a mission to discover Russian nuclear missile subs and nuclear missile sites. And so as he's there in his spacecraft looking out this tiny window and trying to look there at... uh, at, and, And here's actually talking about some other treasure hunters... I think I put the longer version in here on accident. Anyway, um, we'll go ahead and skip through that. But <laughs> later on, it shows pictures of him looking out the window as he is looking at the Caribbean Ocean, was specifically the, the portion that he was focused on. And he had long-range surveillance equipment that was specifically looking for large metal objects in the Caribbean Ocean that might indicate a large sub or some sort of a missile facility that the Russians might be using to target the United States. And as he's looking, periodically he would have these random, it seemed, metal pings going off that indicated there was something large there. And as he began to look more closely and saw where this was, he realized that this was not Russian missile sites, but there was something else there. And the more times he went around the planet, the more times he looked, the closer he peered at the earth's surface, he realized that there was treasure there. And he began to realize that this is in that shipping route for the Spanish ships that would be heading to South America. And as he began to look, he realized there was not just one, not just two, not just ten, but hundreds of wrecked ship sites. Suddenly he began to realize that under those waters was all of this treasure from, he imagined, pirates and Spanish sailors and all of this gold and silver that was probably worth billions of dollars. And so as he went around the planet, he was indeed doing his mission of trying to spy for Russian nuclear things, but he was also keeping another little notebook, and he was scratching down notes about every time he got a little ping or he got little information about, and when he landed and he went, after he went through the parade and the pre, with the president and all of that, he began to sketch out all of the details of what he had found. He began to build maps and began to study this area. He began to study the history of the ships that had wrecked and what exactly was on those ships. He was passionate about finding out. He had to know what treasure was hidden under those waters. 
For 40 years, he kept this secret to himself. Not sharing it with anybody. Feeling like he had a treasure that was beyond what anybody else could be trusted with. But finally, in 2004, he was diagnosed with, I believe it was lupus, and he was dying of this disease. And as it came down to the final hours of his life, he called a man by Daryl Miklos to, his, to come to his room. And he said, I have a secret to tell you. He knew that he was a treasure hunter. And he said, I want to pass on these maps to you of all of these places that I believe are all of these wrecked ships. And I want to show you where I believe all of these treasures can be found. And since then, actually, I believe the Discovery Channel or something like that has gone on to map as this guy, or film as this guy has gone around actually searching the depths for these very treasures. And he's found an old anchor that they believe might have come off of Christopher Columbus' ship. He's found a bunch of cannons and a bunch of other things, but he's still searching for what he believes is billions of dollars worth of treasure. But what a tragedy, huh? That for 40 years, this guy held back this information that maybe would have allowed for more people to experience this incredible treasure. Friends, the treasure of the Word of God is not just for you to hold into yourself, but it's to be shared. Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. And He's too good to turn away from for any other thing. Cooper actually went on to do a bunch of other businesses and he he didn't spend all of his time. He had a hobby of searching for wrecked ships. But Jesus wants something more for us than just to make Bible reading a hobby. He wants something more than just for us to make church and Christianity a hobby. You see, the treasure is too good for that. Jesus is too delightful for that. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure buried in a field who went and hid it and for joy over it sold all that he had and went and bought that field. Jesus is devastated by what takes place in the end of John chapter 6. People turned away from him as he began to say, hey, you need to come to me in order to be satisfied. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Look at how the disciples respond. Jesus is in this moment of despair saying, here people are turning away. Here they are. They want it if I can offer them bread, if I can offer them something physical. But if I'm just asking them, For a relationship, they walk away. If I'm not going to give them something today, they don't want to come to me. Verse 68. I love what Peter says here. For all the, the dumb things that Peter said, this is good. Verse 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, we're not going anywhere else. I'm going to keep coming to you time and time again. I'm not leaving your word because I believe that you have what I need. Even if I don't get it, even if I don't understand everything that you're talking about, even if it doesn't feel like it's taking care of all my problems, I'm going to keep going back. I'm going to keep going back. And I'm going to keep clinging to you because you are a treasure that's worth more than anything else in my life. 
Verse 69, also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Through this word, Peter's life had been so changed, so transformed, that he began to recognize who Jesus was. In Jeremiah 15, 16, the prophet Jeremiah says this about the word of God. He says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the, what does it say? The joy and rejoicing of my heart. How I long for the Bible to be that for me. I remember going into high school and my dear mother was worried about me going to Fresno Adventist Academy. Even though it was a Christian school, she worried about some of the influences and I love my mother. She works hard to get my uh, my nephews, her grandsons, memorizing the Bible because she knows that treasuring Jesus is incredibly valuable. Well, I remember that morning. I don't remember what we were doing exactly. I don't even remember if it was a morning, to be honest. But I remember when she told me, she said, Zach, if you go to Fresno Adventist Academy, will you promise me that you're going to keep reading the Bible? That you're going to keep having that time with Jesus? I said, yeah, Mom, of course. Of course, I'll do that. Yeah, of course. But as I went to school and I began to get distracted by a lot of different things, and pretty soon... Jesus wasn't the foremost thing in my life. Pretty soon I was beginning to set that aside in my life. And you know what I noticed? There was a, a, an exact parallel to the decrease in my joy in life. Pretty soon I was turning to things like alcohol and drugs in order to fulfill the longing and craving in my life because Jesus wasn't there anymore. There is no one, there is nothing that can bring you the joy, the love, the peace that Jesus can bring to you. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even when you're facing hard trials in your life, Jesus can bring you joy. Jeremiah the prophet, his life was not easy. He was thrown in a pit, he was beaten, he was mistreated. And yet it says, your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called By your name, O Lord God of hosts. That word of God has transformed me to become like you. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, it tells us one of the reasons that the promises of God are so incredibly valuable to us. It says, by which have been given to us. This is Peter writing, the one who said to Jesus, hey, we're not going anywhere. You have the words of life. He's writing a general epistle and he says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be, what does it go on to say? Partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter's saying something here. Though you may not recognize it, every time when you wake up in the morning and you crack your Bible open and you begin to read these promises in His Word, actually enable you to become a partaker of the divine nature. Jesus comes into you and a miracle happens which is called Christ in you, the hope of glory. You begin to have joy. You begin to have rejoicing. You begin to have peace in your life. And friends, I don't know what you're thinking this morning. Maybe you're thinking, I just don't know that I have time for that. I don't know that I can, can, can take the time to be in his word. And that's why this morning I want to encourage you as you leave today to take one of these books as light lingers because it gives you practical tools, practical ideas about ways to enhance and enrich that time 
with Jesus. But Peter says, when you take these promises, God's character actually becomes a part of you. You become a loving person, just like Jesus. And that's what the prophecy about Jesus in Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, for your law is within my heart. Because your law has become treasured in my heart. Because even for Jesus, he faced temptations by saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word came into Jesus, and through that, he was able to live a righteous life by dependence upon the Father, just as you and I depend upon the Father. Education, page 171 and 172 says this, A change wrought by the Word. It is one of the deepest mysteries of the Word. We cannot understand it. We can only believe as declared by the Scriptures. It is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The transformation that takes place. It's so difficult to explain. I remember waking up early mornings at La Sierra University and reading my Bible and beginning to have a change of heart. Beginning to want to be a different person. Beginning to not want to go to the same movies filled with violence and sex and crime. Beginning to to look at so many things differently and beginning to want different relationships in my life. And finally deciding to go and be a pastor, something I never, ever thought I would want to do. That change is a mystery, and it is Christ in you. And it's the most happy experience possible. A knowledge of this mystery furnishes a key to every other. It opens to the soul the treasures of the universe, the possibilities of infinite development, Do you believe that that is what you find in the Word of God? That it really can do that for you in 2019? As day by day, you take His Word to be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. And this development is gained through the constant unfolding to us of the, what does it say? Character of God. From cover to cover. From Genesis to Revelation. The book reveals God is love. That's the glory, it goes on to say, in the mystery of the written word. But notice this part. It goes on to say this. Since God is infinite, remember this book is revealing his character, it just pointed out. Since God is infinite and in him are all the treasures of wisdom, we may to all eternity be ever searching, ever learning, yet never exhaust the riches of his wisdom, his goodness, or his power. You might be thinking, okay, so we're talking about reading the Bible again. I've read my Bible through a number of times. I've read, what more could I find in my Bible? Or maybe you're thinking, hey, I've heard about this before. It's just an old book. What could that possibly do for me? And this morning, I want to challenge you that Jesus wants to do something new for you. He's longing to reveal more and more and more and more of himself. The more we look the more we'll see of Jesus. The more we read, the more of His beauty that we'll come to recognize. I believe this is is illustrated in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 3. It's a simple story about two people falling in love. And what better thing to illustrate what God wants for us in Him in 2019 than to fall in love. Here, She's talking to her beloved and she says this, Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. 
Can you imagine walking through the, the woods on a hot day and there's tree after tree and you're hungry. You don't have, you forgot to bring your lunch with you. And she says, I'm just imagining that all of these different trees in the forest and then suddenly I find an apple tree. And she goes on to say, I sat down in his shade. To sit down in the shade of a tree, how close to that tree do you have to be? You have to be right up against the trunk of that tree, sitting in close to that tree, absorbing all that the tree has to offer, absorbing the shade, getting shaded from the hot sun that's beating down on you. She says, I came in close to my beloved, sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. I took one of those apples off the tree and I just took it and I ate it and it was so delicious. I just sat there and soaked in the presence of the one that I loved. He brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. He took me to this party, this celebration, and, and there he displayed that his banner over me, his ensign over me, this is a military term, he was my lover. His banner over me was love. In the book Education, it goes on to say, not a pause for a moment in his, that's Christ's presence, but personal contact with Christ. To sit down in companionship with him. This is our need. Not just to walk by the apple tree and grab an apple off, but to sit down in its shade, to enjoy, to soak up His beauty and His goodness, to sit down in companionship with Him. That is our great need. Happy will it be for the children of our homes and the students of our schools when parents and teachers will learn in their own lives the precious experience pictured in these words from the Song of Songs. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight. Just like the man who found treasure in a field and who for joy over it said, I'm selling everything. Friends, we've got to find that kind of joy in Jesus because we're coming to a time when we're going to be challenged. Do we want Jesus or do we want to be able to buy or sell? And if we treasure anything more than Jesus, we're going to be lost. Second Thessalonians tells us that in the end, there will be those who refused the love of the truth. They didn't treasure Jesus for all He's worth. But friends, there is so much joy and rejoicing to our hearts when we take delight in Jesus. When we go to Him morning by morning and we allow Him to be the one who fills our cup. When we go to His banqueting house and we find that His banner over us is love. You know, I've been finding out some different things through this whole process of becoming a father or thinking about becoming a father. There's a lot of new things that I'm learning a lot of things that I think I'm going to learn, you're probably thinking as a parent, yeah, you have a whole lot more to learn that you have absolutely no clue about. But did you know they have something called father bonding? Like they actually give you time off for this stuff. So I looked it up. How important is baby bonding for a father and a baby anyway? I mean, is it really that valuable for me to sit there and hold my little girls? Don't, 
don't question me. I really do want to hold those little girls. I can't wait to hold them. I'm kind of jealous right now, even though Leah is in a lot of not feeling very well. I'm kind of jealous that she gets to hold our babies all the time. It's a pretty awesome thing. Well, I did some research, and I found that they, they discovered that baby bonding with a father can help to decrease crime, stop a, a child from becoming a criminal. It can help a child's mental health. And the list goes on and on. It can help them to excel in school just for you to take time to bond with a baby. I can't wait for that. Just a forewarning, there's going to be some time where you're not going to see me here because I'm going to be holding my babies. Is that okay? But here's the thing. In 2019, you won't have, none of you actually, you're going to have identical twins to hold, I think, of your own. You can hold mine, but you're not going to maybe have your own to hold. But you have a far greater presence to delight in. You have a God who's longing for some baby bonding time with you. He's longing to each morning to wake you up and say, hey, good morning. I just want to hold you for a little while. Would you stay here? Oh, oh, off to work already. Off to, oh, oh, well, maybe tomorrow morning. Good morning. It's me again. I just want to hold you again this morning. I just want you to know that I'm going to take care of you. Oh, you're off again. What will it look like in 2019? Will you stay in Jesus' presence? Will you let him hold you? Will you delight in him? Will his word come to you and be the joy and rejoicing of your soul? That's what I want for 2019. I want to be held by Jesus. I want to delight in his presence. I want to find in him a treasure that is more valuable to me than anything else because Jesus promises that he is the bread of life and that those who come to him will never hunger and they will never ever thirst this morning as you leave we're going to have this available for you this book as light lingers basking in the word of god this title alone describes just what i'm talking about what does the word linger mean you can look just a few pages in, and it, she has the Merriam-Webster dictionary t- uh, explanation. To linger is to stay in a place longer than necessary because of a reluctance to leave, to spend a long time over something. The idea is to linger in his presence. And then to bask. What does it mean to bask? To bask means to lie or relax in a pleasant warmth or atmosphere friends i'm excited about this book on multiple levels one of the reasons i'm excited about it is you cannot get this book anywhere else you cannot go and buy this book yet in the united states it won't be available until march so you guys are blessed this morning that you get to have a copy of this book i wasn't able to get my copy until my parents came here recently because the Gen- the gc ministerial department is actually the one who blessed us with this opportunity to have this book. But I've poured over it over the past week, and I can tell you that it's full of practical stories, practical advice, all kinds of different tips about how to actually dig into your Bible. And not just for you, but how to actually have conversations about the Bible with your spouse. How to help your kids to actually dig into the Bible and to enjoy it, to find a priceless treasure in Jesus through the Bible. It even has illustrations with uh, little journals of 
her son, seven-year-old son and some of the things that he would journal about Jesus after spending time in the Bible. It has some of her own examples of journals, art, uh, things that she wrote about God's Word, and just practical different methods and ideas of ways that you might dig deeper in the Word of God. And at the end, it has little pop-out bookmarks that you can put in your Bible with practical tips and ideas about how to study the Bible. This is a practical and powerful book. So if you want it, it is a gift to you on behalf of Templeton Hills Seventh-day Adventist Church. As a thank you for all that you've been here for, and you may think, I haven't even been here in 2018. If you're here for the first time today, we still want you to have a book. But regardless, this is a special gift to you today, if you would like one, for you to take and to say, Jesus, I really want to know you more. I really need this. And to just read through this book, it will give you some of the tools that may help you to find what you've always been longing for in your relationship with Jesus. How many of you want to grab one of these books and read through it yourself and just say, Jesus, I want to know you more in 2019. And another opportunity I want to give you is I'm going to be reading through the Bible starting January 1. And if you would like to know what reading plan I'm doing, go ahead and email me or text me. And I'm using the YouVersion Bible app. But even if you don't have a Bible app, I can send it to you via uh, email or, or print one out for you if you want to just tell me about it. But this Bible plan is a great opportunity to just go through and saturate yourself with the Word of God. And I'm excited about it, and I think you might enjoy it too. But just in closing today, I just want to be real with you. As a pastor, I come up here and I can speak week in and week out. I can preach my heart out. I can do a lot better job of it, I know. But it's not going to change your life. I hate to break it to you, but preaching alone will not bring you the relationship with Jesus that you're longing for. In fact, it's probably one of the lowest things on your experience with Jesus. And I'm not telling you not to come back to church. I love for you to be here, and I believe there's powerful inspiration that happens here. But here's the thing. It's between you and Jesus. Taking time in your Bible in 2019 will be the most valuable thing. And we can come together and we can talk about it. We can preach about it. We can encourage each other in it. But more than anything else, please read your Bible. Get to know Jesus for yourself because nothing else really matters. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I don't know how else to say it. We've got to realize how valuable you are. I've got to realize that. God, please make it more real to me. Give me more of a hunger for you. God, wake me up. I give you permission. And God, for each of us here this morning, with a thousand different distractions, a world that's throwing all kinds of things at us, God, I pray that more than anything else, we would seek to know Jesus. That we would seek to delight in you. That we would find joy in who you are as the God of love is revealed in the pages of these, this book. And Father, before we leave, we just want to, to allow you to tell us what you're specifically telling us to do today. For 2019. Just take a moment of silence in your own heart and just ask Jesus, Jesus, 
Are you asking me to, to make a specific plan for, for spending time with you in 2019? Are you wanting me to, to do a specific thing in my Bible reading? What exactly is it, Father? Would you show me and would you inspire me and would you give me the strength to run after you with all my heart? Just pour out your heart to Jesus just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. This is a prayer that you delight to hear, delight to answer. And God, while light lingers, we want to bask in your word. We want to soak it in. We want to know you, Jesus. Would you please saturate our hearts with more and more of you? Would you please help us to find in you a matchless treasure that for joy over it, we would gladly go and sell all that we have because we just want more of Jesus. Thank you so much that you want this. You've given your life to give us this opportunity. So we go forward in confidence in you answering this prayer. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.